What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 49ers Week 2 preseason is done. Kyle Shanahan has spoken. We've got a lot to talk about. And that's going to come up right after this. Welcome back, everybody, to the program. I'm here, and it is I'm here with my guy. So real, Sunil. Sunil, how you doing, my man? Good. We clutching sports today. Shout out, Marco. I know he's trying to get to 500. So, you know, Rohan's doing his thing, trying to give a plug to his boy. Uh, go out there and subscribe to Clutch Gene Sports. But we had the Chuckaberthy show today, brother. Yeah, man. I got, uh, got the right background up. But, you know, <laughs> like you said, it was all a part of the plan. Got to give a shout out to my guy, Marco. Um, because I know you two are going live tomorrow. So yes, that'll be a fun show. We'll definitely try and tune into that. But 49ers, like I said, week two of the preseason is done. And we got a dub. I mean, it's a, you know, first dub probably uh, it's it's been a minute. The last two games we've seen have been pretty ugly before that. You know, you had a, a zero quarterback game for a full half in the NFC Championship game. And then you saw a 34-7 to demolish, uh, you know, when we when we got demolished in week one. Yeah. What you kind of think about it? Well, it was uh you could tell that the third round picks were listening to some of the content creators because Cam Latu got a touchdown, uh, you know, and the boy Jake Moody got uh you know got the game winning field goal. So um, I mean, obviously you, you like to see a win. I think that you know, being able to see Brock Purdy come in and in that first drive, be able to move the ball down the field. What, you know, I know a lot of people are nitpicking because any type of uh, praise you give to Brock Purdy automatically means you're you're shitting on. Uh, oh, sorry, you're you're talking trash about Trey Lance, which is ridiculous. But 
You know, I think Brock Purdy looked like Brock Purdy had a command of the offense, much like he looked, you know, in in the, the end of the season when he took over the job. And I think that bodes well because you know that the team obviously was um, winning a lot under Brock Purdy, and it seems like that same momentum could could definitely move forward. I thought Trey looked good, you know, um, and he started off slow, but just like it seems we, we're starting to notice a pattern about Trey. He's going to start off slow, but as the game goes on, much like the Houston game where he looked probably the best in a, in a, in a full game, um, you know, he, he starts really uh, looking good later on um, as those reps get under his belt. But I got to say one thing, Rohan, I am a little bit worried about this defense. And uh, two things have always been Achilles heels for the 49ers. Well, one thing, immobile quarterbacks, Russ still was able, you know, to, to you know, use his feet to, to move the ball down the field. And the one thing that I guess is a little bit worrisome is 49ers couldn't stop the run uh, early, early in that game. So two things to really pay attention to. I know last season as well, the 49ers were struggling to stop the run early in the season, but then uh, second half of the season, they really figured it out. So maybe it'll be another situation like that. But overall, like I said, nice to see the win. Nice to see some guys go out. Ronnie Bell obviously had another big game. Um, You know, nice to see the quarterbacks looking good. So overall, I would give it a thumbs up. But still, you know, work to be done. And that's what Kyle Shanahan said right after the game. A lot of work to be done still. But there are positives that you can take away from the game. Let's start with where you started, the third-round rookies. I'm still not impressed with Jake Moody, I'll be honest. I mean, he kicked a a nice 30-yarder to win the game that wasn't straight down the middle, which is what (laughs) Kyle Shanahan said he wants out of his kickers. I'm not going to nitpick a made field goal, though. But, you know, he still missed a kick on the day. And I think that this week is going to be the most crucial week for the 49ers at their kicker position. Because, to me, if he struggles again this week, you don't start him week one. Kicker is not a position where the in the NFL where a team can afford – to allow a guy to go through growing pains. If a guy misses two kicks in a week, he's cut. It doesn't matter who you are. And the 49ers aren't going to do that right now with Jake Moody. But I wouldn't be surprised if he struggles this week that you allow him to – you just place him on IR, bring up Zane Gonzalez after you know after the uh, initial cutdown date, and have him be your starting kicker week one because it seems the 49ers are comfortable with him enough that they're allowing Moody to get all of the preseason kicks to get you know his feet wet and things like that. Well, I'll, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sold yet on Jake Moody in terms of how he'll play in a game. Haven't been impressed with his first two weeks, but he's a young guy. We'll see if he can really pick up the pace in week two, and uh, we'll see, you know, exactly how it goes. Um, what do you think about uh, where his stance is with the team? Yeah, I mean, look, I've been burned by third-round Michigan men before. Uh, I was a big advocate for uh, Ambry Thomas. I really thought he was going to come in and, and uh, be a guy for the 49ers. And, hey, maybe he's going to prove me right this year because he's looking a lot better than any other year that he's been on the 49ers. But uh, Jake Moody is somebody initially when I saw the pick. You know, a third-round pick, you know, that that's questionable. But as far as the player, I thought that he could come in and, and really give the 49ers something that they didn't have, which is the leg uh, past 50 yards, right? I think that that could be a game changer, especially with how many close games the 49ers end up playing. And if you if you um, 
pay attention to some of the bigger 49ers losses in the playoffs the last few seasons, it's come down to one possession, right? And the ability to, you know, have those extra field goals because you don't need to drive into that 40 yard and under range, which was where Robbie Gold really was confident and automatic, uh, you know, being able to still kick a 50 plus yard, maybe even some 60 yarders here and there. Uh, but I got to say, man, the first preseason game, I wasn't too worried about because, you know, Justin Tuck, Tucker in Baltimore also in his first game with uh, first preseason game wasn't very good. But like you mentioned, even the ones he's making aren't like confident kicks. And, and uh, they're looking like I didn't even like watching it. I didn't even think it went in. That was mm-hmm. how uh, how ugly that kick was. So you'd like to see just you know what he was able to do in Michigan and I don't know if it's uh he's he can't handle the pressure or if you know uh they still haven't uh you know they're still not on the same page as far as the snapper and the holder and all that kind of stuff but I agree with you I think that if he has another shaky game um there's got to be some questions asked whether or not he's the guy yeah I I mean I agree I I do think that that is something that has to happen. And I'm sure there are internal conversations with Moody, with the staff on how that is going to go. And, you know, they're trying to get him prepped. They're trying to see every opportunity. And, you know, to the point where they gave him a 19-yard field goal instead of going for it on fourth and goal at the two-yard line, which I didn't necessarily like that decision. But, you know, there's there's things like that that you, you're slowly starting to see. 49ers trying, uh, you know, deviate to whatever makes him comfortable so that you're a little more prepared heading into the year. But kicker is one thing where you can't afford to lose games because of a kicker. You understand how many close games there are in the NFL on a year to year basis. And the, the, you know, the factor from being a wildcard team to a division team is usually one to two games. The factor from being the division guy to the NFC, uh, NFC championship or sorry, NFC conference winner is another, you know, one to two games. You can't afford to lose one to two games via a kicking issue that you know you should have nailed down, especially when you have solid options sitting there on your bench in Zane Gonzalez, as well as in free agency with Mason Crosby, Robbie Gould, and a couple of guys are, are still there that you know you could afford to have in free agency. Would be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, Zane Gonzalez obviously has a lot of history in the NFL, but he's not even a surefire anything right because he i don't think all last season he was out with an injury so we don't know what he really looks like and you know clearly the 49ers want jake moody to be that guy but once again we know how the 49ers are in the third round they're not hitting all, all the time in fact they miss a lot in the third round and it looks like jair brown is a is somebody that's gonna be impactful for this team so it wouldn't surprise me if Latu and, and Jake Moody end up being uh, not the right pick. Yeah. And let's talk about Latu real quick. I know you had your, your thoughts, you know, Latu had a bounce back game, but it still was an up and down game for Cameron Latu. I mean, uh, there was one play where Kyle Shanahan reportedly, you know, on the on the broadcast was like effing Latu after he couldn't pick up that uh, that grab in the red zone from Trey Lance. Uh, Could have likely resulted in a touchdown on that play or the play after. And so, you know, there are still growing pains with Cameron Latu, but good to see him at least compile, you know, a nice drive at the end of the game, you know, get it some more confidence in him because that's going to be very helpful, you know, going into the year, seeing what Cameron Latu can end up doing 
and or at least see, seeing some glimpses so that you have a good reason to justify keeping him over more experienced and more well-proven options. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a serious question whether or not he does make the roster. Uh, even though he did have that touchdown grab, you mentioned that there was some shaky moments there. Uh, how much can he really impact this team? And, I, you know, if he makes the team, he would probably be the fourth tight end, right? Because they usually keep yeah. four, or do they keep three usually, Rohan? Four is what their normal is. So he would be TE4. How often does TE4 really play in a game? I don't know. I know two and three will play, but that fourth guy, I don't know how much playing time he has. I The thing to me is, you know, with the tight ends, having that pass catching ability, I think was what the 49ers were looking for from Latu. Um, but it doesn't seem like he's consistent with the pass catching and he doesn't seem that impressive with the blocking either Rohan. So it's like, what is he really bringing? You know, at least when Kittle isn't, you know, catching the ball for whatever reason, he's still very impactful as far as his blocking ability, you know, Ross Dwelly, he's somebody who his hands have always been really, really good, but he's not always very good in the blocking game. Right. And Charlie Warner, same thing. He might not give you a lot of passing, but his blocking at least is, um, sufficient enough to be able to be on the field. Seems like Latu right now isn't giving you the pass catching ability or anything really majorly in the blocking game as well. So it's like, why keep him? I know you've been high on a guy like Braden Willis. Does Has he really earned a spot over Willis, even though Willis hasn't gotten the same opportunity as Latu? I would say Willis is probably a better blocker than Latu is right now, and neither of them are really giving you much in the passing game. So maybe you go with a guy like Willis instead of a guy like Latu. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I think Willis is honestly a lock to make the roster this right now um, because if he gets cut, I honestly don't know whether teams are not going to pick him up, especially teams that in integrate four tight ends. At the moment, I think that both rookies will make it. I think the battle is truly between Warner and Dwelly because I don't think the other one gets claimed. Dwelly is gone to the practice squad on multiple occasions. You're, he, you, you're confident he won't get claimed. So even if he looks the part, Roster politics might play into, uh, into into you know into account. Maybe you put Lato in IR, you bring Dwelly back, or you know Fumagalli even has looked good. I think that you can make an argument for him to make the roster as well. Maybe that's an option, you know, um, allowing the rookie to reset and having a trustworthy option. But I think what truly happens at tight end uh, heading into week three is you roster Lato, you roster Dwelly, sorry, you roster Willis, and then you roster uh, Charlie Warner. You're going to have Fumagalli likely be your uh, tight end on the practice squad, and then you call him up for the first two weeks and make Latu an inactive because you trust him more. Yeah, I mean, you, you're uh, much better at understanding the roster and the spaces and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, but nonetheless, you know, this shouldn't be the conversation you have with a third-round pick. You want to yeah. have a guy that can, you know, at least – confidently make the team and uh the fact that we're even questioning whether or not he does already i think kind of shows what where this pick could end up right obviously if he makes the roster he has a chance to get better he's still extremely young and he comes from a really good uh, uh program in alabama so you know don't want to put too much pressure on the kid too much but we're more i guess questioning the pick versus questioning the guy correct correct now let's go on to an important topic. Um, what do you think went well 
in week two? Yeah, I mean, you got to point to a guy like Ronnie Bell. Um, you know, he had one kind of drop, I think, that led to a pick. But, uh, you know, overall had a monster game. Um, really looking like a guy that could be part of the Yak Bros, right? He seems like yeah. he has that kind of mentality, like a Debo, like a Brandon Ayuk, that even after the catch, even after that initial, um, you know, uh, tackle attempt, he's going to break through, or initial contact, I should say. He's going to try to, to you know, get more yards and has the ability to get that. So you've always mentioned, Rohan, that you think that Jawan Jennings, this is his last year with the team. So having a guy like Ronnie Bell kind of flourish can be could could be really, really good for this team in the future because you ideally would like to re-sign Ayuk. You know, you still have Debo on the team, and then a guy like Ronnie Bell can maybe move into that position uh, receiver that if you lose a guy like Jawan Jennings. And then on top of that, right, we have some major injuries with Danny Gray and Ray Ray McLeod. So having another reliable receiver there um, behind the three guys that we know are going to be on the, you know, getting most of the the run, I think is is good. And Ronnie Bell possibly could be that guy. Um, you know, like I, I mentioned, you know, the way Brock Purdy looked, his first game action um, on television, I guess you could say, Uh he looked good. You know, he looked like the normal Brock Purdy. Uh, no real major criticism. He still looked elusive like he did when he played. Um, he didn't really have a chance to show the arm strength, but he right. made the throws he needed to make. And, you know, more importantly, the team responded to him. They were able to move the ball down the field on a, on a, on the first drive, which isn't normal for the 49ers, right? They're not used to opening up the game and starting quick quickly like that. So obviously a lot of that had to do with uh, the big play that Debo was able to, to, to break off. But I like seeing that obviously seeing a guy like Debo um, have the play that he had Brandon Ayuk look good. And, you know, the, uh, the one target that he got, they, he got, you know, a 20 yard pass. Um, so overall, I think like the first team offense looked, looked good against a defense that is supposed to be formidable, right? Denver defense is nothing to sneeze at. Um, so the fact that they were able to move the ball down the field, I think was, was a good sign. And, um, yeah, so those are like the two major ones. I'm sure there's more, but those are the, th those are, uh, the ones that stood out. Yeah. I mean, uh, starting off with Ronnie Bell, I mean, he was the clear stand out of the entire game, seven catches, 114 yards did have the drop, another drop that he had you know, uh, now in consecutive weeks, but it's looking good. And I mean, he's a guy who the 49ers, you know, seem to have found another nice receiver uh for them and this is a year where receiver talent is truly there it's it's there for the taking and i think that that's going to be something definitely to watch um bell i think now is a certainty to make the 53-man roster and i think the injuries honestly helped his case um to ray ray mcleod and danny gray just solely due to roster politics you know if if they hadn't been injured you have a tough decision. Do you want to have Bell on there, or do you think that the spot is deserving for a young, a, a veteran player? But now that they are there, roster politics-wise, you can keep all of them because this is how I think the receivers go. I see Greg, uh, Greg Khan here saying, while well, expect Bell to make the team, don't expect him to be active week one. I honestly think there's a shot he is active week one because I think that the 49ers are going to carry um, Debo Samuel, Ray Ray McLeod, Danny Gray, Brandon Ayuk, and Ronnie Bell. I think they carry five receivers onto their 53. Or am I forgetting one? No, no, no. Sorry. Six receivers because they're carrying Jennings as well. Six. That's that's my prediction. But two of them go to IR. 
or at least at least Danny Gray will likely go to IR. We'll see if McLeod ends up going. But then you call up Chris Conley as that uh, as your next guy once you know those guys get passed through waivers. Who do you? So I think Ronnie Bell also has a good chance because both of your returners are injured, like the top two returners, right? So I know uh, Ronnie Bell has returned in the past, so that could be depth there. You know, even if so, who do you think would be the the first returner right now? So my personal preference, honestly, going into right after we heard McLeod's injury was Danny Gray. Like we didn't see him get reps in week in the first week. It was Bell and Jameson. And then he got injured on his first rep. So unfortunately, that is likely out the window for week one. Um, I think it's between Bell and Jameson. And I prefer Jameson um, uh, as a returner. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they either split the roles, you know, punt, kick, maybe split 1-1 one, one to try and alleviate some of the rookie – uh, you know, rookie uh, responsibilities on each guy, or, you know, they could also s- sprinkle in both players getting reps week one and going forward. But well, yeah. well but I think I, my point was more that because there's not that much depth there at the returning position, that could be a reason why Bell is on the week one roster because maybe he doesn't get much run on the, with the offense, but you know, you don't want to have just one returner back there. And we know that, um, we know that Kyle Shanahan doesn't like putting his, you know, starting receivers back there, even though we know a guy like Brandon Ayuk could, uh, could be, on, you know, a returner, but he doesn't like doing that. So even if Jamison is the starter, in case of an injury, you got to have a backup kick returner. And obviously I think Bell, it would be ideal for that position. I think that that's fair. Now I will say this. There are issues with every single one of the returners right now for the 49ers. Deshaun Jamison, muffed a punt. Ronnie Bell, not as explosive. And then the other two guys are injured. So there are some concerns. I wonder what the 49ers, you know, what what Kyle Shanahan eventually does come week one because he has to balance the concerns for all of these guys. Oh, we are. I could already tell you, Rohan, what it's going to be. Go for it. That's going to be the play each time. You just catch the ball. There's no going to be no returns. It's going to be fair catches all game. And now you can do that for kickoffs too. So it's going to be all fair catches. Hell, if Trent needs a warm-up, you know, just a running warm-up, put him out there, have him call a fair catch, and then trot out to the 25-yard line. Exactly, exactly. So they just need somebody to catch the ball. And, you know, we've been hearing that, uh, you know, he he did talk about how uh, check. It's really good um, as far as his hands. So they might throw check back there and just do a fair catch because we know that that's a Shanahan uh, tendency is just to tell his guys to just fair catch it and let the offense try it out there. So Right. Real quick, though, I do want to give a shout-out to those that are in the chat. Shouted out Greg Khan already. James Wilson, I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. As well as Jedi, thank you for tuning in. 49ers throwback as always make sure you guys hit that like button make sure you also subscribe Sunil's channel is in the description be sure to show some love over here too we really appreciate all the recent support because you know that's that's what keeps us going here just uh the conversations with y'all making sure we uh hear you guys and you know uh get a get to do this for y'all JC here thank you for tuning in y'all need Jesse here the three amigos you see, he had um, a late night the other night with Bingo for his birthday. He's probably taking a midday nap, so unfortunately, he can't really tune in. On a side <laughs> note, though, 
Jesse and Sunil are going live today at 6.30, I believe, correct? 6.20 uh, Pacific time, yep. So make sure you guys tune into that. That'll be a fun show uh, with those two. Just hope Jesse doesn't fall asleep during that show either. <laughs> but, uh, oh, as well as Niner Gang Podcast, Dion, I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in as well, my man. Thank you guys uh, a lot uh, for tuning in. We appreciate the support. But let's be a little negative. What went wrong in week two? Yeah, and I, I, you know, I touched on it earlier. I don't think the defense looked as dominant as I'd like, uh, especially in stopping the run, both by the quarterback and by uh, the running backs. I felt like, and you know, to to be fair, uh, the Denver Broncos do have you know good running backs, so um, you know it's not like there there were bums back there. However that they were able to gash the 49ers uh, rushing defense in the earlier parts of the game to me where was a little disappointing. Unfortunately, the defense hasn't looked at supremely dominant um, right. yet. So, and obviously not all the starters are playing and obviously Nick Bosa not being on the field or not being with the team right now is a big deal. So uh, that didn't look good. You know, we mentioned the, the shakiness of Jake Moody missing a kick, and then even though he made the winning kick, didn't look good. So special teams overall, you know, you mentioned the kick returners, the question marks there. Wisnowski muffed a punt. Jake Moody isn't looking good. So overall, all of special teams, Rohan, is a big question mark right now. They're not looking very confident there and uh, looking like world beaters there. Um, and, you know, the, those are the two things that really stood out to me. What, what about for you? What were the the big disappointments? I mean, I like what you pointed out about the defense. Um, I talked about this with Jesse, but I do think the defense isn't as deep as many anticipate at defensive line. I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of people think for the 49ers, we're deep. We're, 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 there's no worry. We're, we're deep as it is. There's nothing to really worry about and things like that. I don't think that's true this year. I think the 49ers have lost some depth, um, you know, some key players on the edge for sure with Charles O'Menohue and Samson Ebukon that they didn't replace with top end, you know, top end backup pieces. And so they're, they're going to have to navigate the waters. And I don't think they're done at defensive line. I think they could definitely have midseason acquisitions. That's my prediction. I think this is the year of the reload. I think the 49ers, you know, you look back at 2020, after the 2019 year where they were top heavy, they go out and they get depth in 2020 with the trade for Jordan Willis. 2021, what do they do? They go out and they get some more depth. Charles O'Menohue, a two-year piece that was in Jordan Willis, I believe, was here for three years. So, you know, you got some long-term pieces that were young and that you believe you could develop. And then in 2022, you know you had the pieces there, and that's what allowed you to have strong depth and you know, still have a formidable defensive line despite not having many uh, top, uh, top, you know, top tier players. Armstead was out for half the year. That meant only Nick Bosa was the only blue chip player. This year, they're going back to that top heavy approach. I think though that they'll reload at the mid season mark and look for some of those cheaper guys. Offload a fifth or sixth round pick. You're going to get it back anyway via the compensatory formula. Offload one of those later round picks. Get some depth for the next two three years and have some affordable pieces that you can keep. For this team for a couple you know throughout your championship window yeah and i mean it's not they might not have depth that's showing up right now but we know a guy like kevin givens could play uh we know you know uh you know we still 
yet to kind of be able to see Drake Jackson in action. Um, obviously, we haven't seen the three main starters in action. So I'm not as worried about the depth, Rohan. I, I, you know, you, me, and Marco had this debate last week where I, do, I don't think these guys are full-time starters, but I do think these guys will look better um, with, on a defensive line that has Hargrave, Armstead, and Bosa on it. I probably. think any of these guys could probably fill in and, and look a lot better than they're looking right now. That's fair. But let's get to the most important topic of today. Let's start it off with one of Kyle Shanahan's comments. Quarterback two. Kyle Shanahan said today that he will announce a backup quarterback, meaning that second quarterback ahead of week one. It's likely not necessarily by choice. He said he doesn't mind going all the way down, you know, to the wire. But it's also because that third quarterback the 49ers carry on their 53-man roster is going to have an emergency quarterback designation, meaning that one of the 46 spots on game day do not have to be allotted for that third quarterback. And so you need to designate who that emergency guy is. And so they're going to have to name a backup, and they're going to have to name, you know, a third-string guy. What do you think about that, um, you know, uh, with essentially all this debate that's been brewing for months and months now essentially coming to an end? Yeah, I mean, is there any other team that's debating QB2 as much as the 49ers Never. have been debating QB? Has there ever been such a strong debate about a QB2 ever in the history of the NFL? I mean, the way that this the national media has been uh, – has been uh, reporting on the 49er QB2 battle. I don't think there's ever it's ever happened before in the history of ever. So, yeah, I mean, it's not just the fan base. It's all over uh, national media as well. What was more intriguing to me, Rohan, was how he spoke about uh, Trey Lance. Uh, mm -hmm. He spoke about how Trey Lance knew what he was getting into, knew what, what, what he was up against. That was a little bit telling because – to me, you know, and it, it could be Kyle Shanahan just doesn't want to tip his hand on, on which way he wants to go. But, you know, I know that depending on who you ask, people where people will say, uh, you know, Sam Darnold has been, looked better in this postseason. To me, I think Trey Lance has looked, uh, you know, a skosh better. I don't think it's significantly better. But to me, based off of, you said, uh, politics of, the roster and just how much it was invested in Trey Lance, you would think that if it's close, you got to go with Trey Lance as the backup. But um, I don't know. I didn't get that confident feeling that Kyle Shanahan feels that same way from that takeaway. I mean, it's good that at least he has to make a decision. So, you know, at least one side of the Darnold over Lance debate will be uh, happy and the other side could, you know, come up with whatever they want to come up with in, as a rebuttal. But you know, I do hope it is Trey Lance. I think he's earned it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at least we know a decision is coming, whether whether or not Kyle Shanahan likes it or not. Yeah, and here's the full quote that Kyle Shanahan said about Trey Lance. He said, um, when talking about his, uh, the biggest improvement this offseason, he said this offseason was just kind of getting healthy again and redefining how he throws, getting his balance. I think Trey, from where he got hurt to where he is now, I think it helped him. It always helps to play through things and go through that stuff. But for him to sit back last year and to really get to watch some stuff and know what he needed to focus on because he did that, get that week and a half of plan, 
He did get the whole training camp, the whole preseason. He knew exactly what he was in for, and unfortunately, he got hurt and didn't get to go through it. But I think he made a positive out of it because mentally, he really saw what he had to improve on just watching other guys go through it. And it's been pretty well documented, but I think he did improve on that stuff before he came back. And now improving on it before he came back has allowed him to get a lot better through all of those reps. Interesting. Um, but I mean, right now. How do you read that? How do you, I know you just read the quote, but how do you feel? What do you, how do you, how would you, uh, what would be your response to that? What are your feelings about his sentiments towards Trey in that quote? It's interesting because to me, it, it seems like there was a lot to improve on. There was a yeah. lot to improve on last year. And he talked about it, how he was able to improve on those things. But you then question the lack of a quarterback battle necessarily last year, right? In a way, because if there's this much that he had to improve on that, that he got to sit back, watch, learn, and then improve on this offseason, how confident were the 49ers with Trey Lance going into it last offseason? And truly what changed if you understood that the landscape was last offseason, like la the landscape was similar last offseason as it was to this offseason. I, I think that there are a lot of things to it. Naturally, I don't feel confident about the 49ers quarterback situation as a whole. I mean, Personally, I don't feel as confident in Brock Purdy as other people, and I don't feel confident in the backup quarterback situation either. I think when you're having a debate as the 49ers are having, that shows that you're not as confident. You're not very – if you knew who your backup was, that would be a good thing. But the 49ers don't. And it, like At least if there's even a discussion as to who your backup quarterback could be, I don't think that's a good sign about where your quarterback situation is. And so that's why I'm a little more hesitant on the situation as a whole. Now, Jesse – Especially if it's uh, the way that this discussion is going, right? You can see, like, it would be a different discussion if you're Q you had a QB2 and the QB3 is lighting it up. And so you're right. like, man, maybe this guy's pushing to be QB2, but that's not the case right now. It's like they're battling as far as who's – like, it's not like anybody's, like, blowing out and, like, showing showing out right now. It's all just kind of, like, nitpicking as far as where the battle is. And um, I, I also, before you move on, you contrast that to his, his quotes earlier this week about Brock Purdy, right? Extremely high. He was the guy, like, all that, you know, very, very confident on, you know, Brock Purdy, you know, is the guy he would have to melt in practice to not be the starter, all that kind of stuff. It's pretty interesting to me that he has such high praise for Purdy and is confident in being able to up Purdy, which you – understand because he is the starter and then mm -hmm. this kind of tempered response about trey lance yeah i think that you know that's definitely something that you've got to talk about and overall we'll see how it goes i mean i personally jesse asked me yesterday he asked me about why i could envision sam Darnold being the qb2 as well as my personal thoughts i think that you can make the argument for sam Darnold being the quarterback too i, I do but personally here's how i look at the quarterback situation i i do think that it's going to be dependent entirely on floor. What can that quarterback provide you this week? The only way that I see that strategy changing is if Brock Purdy, for some reason, goes out for the entirety of the year, which you obviously aren't hoping for if you're the 49ers. But I think it's purely dependent on floor. And I see a lot of people questioning, how can you trust the floor of a guy who's thrown you know, as many interceptions as Sam Donald has, who hasn't looked good in as, as many games? The, the, I think the question, though, is, or I think the thing is, while he hasn't looked great, you know what you're getting out of Sam Donald. The floor is there. 
You know what you're getting out of Sam Donald. And I think Kyle Shanahan likes a level of certainty, you know, compared to the uncertainty and volatility that Lance provides. Fans themselves prefer the volatility. Why? Because it provides you the chance of seeing something really good blossom in front of your eyes. And that's what Trey Lance could be. But I think coaching staff and trying to get through in a week-by-week process where you have a strong team around are just trying to, you know, they want to know what they have. They want some level of certainty. And Sam Darnold and his mediocreness provides that certainty. And so that's the justification for me of why I think the 49ers could be comfortable going with Sam Darnold over Trey Lance and why you might be hearing a lot of national media pundits saying that's what the building is saying at the moment. And that could very well be true. Personally, though, I think Trey Lance has won the quarterback two job, but I don't think it's been to a significant degree. I think he has looked a little better. I think that he has a better command of the offense. And I also think that um, the number one thing that truly separates them is processing. Lance has a long way to go still in processing. But I do think he's better than Sam Donald, who has characteristically been a slow processor, and that doesn't always function well in this offense, where if you're if you're stuck on read one and it's covered, well, read two is going to be open in the way that this offense is there. Read two or read three, there is one read in the Shanahan offense that is consistently open on 75% of plays because of the way Kyle Shanahan is able to scheme things against certain against various defenses. But if you're slow in processing, you might not be able to get to read two. And I think Lance's especially as you see him go through games and games, you see him continue to improve and that processing continues to, you know, elevate. And I think that that mixed with the arm talent gives me the slight edge. However, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes both ways. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, another thing that, because I agree with you, I think Trey Lance should be the QB two, And I think he's played a little bit better than, than Sam Darnold. But, you know, when in, in the past, you know, you when you think of QB twos, you think of that position being kind of like the mentor role, right? Right. Um, and obviously, when you're looking at who has more football experience, NFL experience, Sam Darnold is that guy. And if they're very uh, confident on Purdy, as we know that this team is, and this front office is, and Shanahan is, and Lynch is, and so on and so forth. Maybe they, they look at Sam Darnold and say, hey, the, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold play fairly even, but maybe Sam Darnold could be a better mentor, better in those huddles, um, helping him like read the pictures that they get, or I guess they don't get pictures anymore. It's on the, it's on the iPad and whatnot now. Um, maybe that could be a deciding factor, right? So it's going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm a big Trey Lance guy, but I'm also realistic, and, you know, I, I – see what i'm seeing with my eyes and at least it's not a shoe in that is trey lance and you know what rohan i get a lot of hate a lot of people coming at my throat because i'm i'm expressing the fact that trey lance hasn't had the off season that he needed to have to really separate himself from you know any of these quarterbacks people are like he never got the opportunity they never gave him the chance and all this kind of stuff well, in reality, it's not Kyle Shanahan's job to develop the QB2. Like, he's not looking – like, it was – the plan with Trey Lance was to develop him last year. And he got the full Team 1 reps. He was QB1. There was no – even Jimmy G couldn't break into that QB1 uh, situation. They had him playing on the sidelines, right, so that uh, there was no competition with Trey Lance. 
And unfortunately, he got injured. If he had a whole season, Rohan, we have a completely different conversation this offseason, right? Because I had nothing but faith that Trey Lance would have gotten better and better week after week after week after week. Unfortunately, the circumstances changed. Trey Lance got injured. Jimmy G got injured. And Brock Purdy came out and did everything you want a quarterback that wants to earn that QB1 position to do. He played well enough so the team won multiple, multiple games. And Trey Lance had a little bit of an opportunity, right, Rohan, at the beginning of training camp when Sam Darnold wasn't um, – was still learning the playbook. Brock Purdy isn't on the field. And you were there. You watched it. Trey Lance wasn't separating himself the way he needed to. It was still kind of shaky and all this kind of stuff. And I know Trey Lance was coming off of an injury as well, but he was throwing. He was still doing all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people who are Trey Lance supporters, as I am, want to believe, want to say that, hey, this is just a Kyle Shanahan issue. This is a 49er issue. But unfortunately, the reality is, is that, yes, it isn't ideal for Trey Lance. Yes, he hasn't had as like the type of opportunity that you'd want him to have. But in the circumstances that this is, the reality, we're looking at the reality of the situation, Rohan. Unfortunately, Trey Lance didn't separate himself, himself, even if it was just a few opportunities to really do that. No, I agree. I mean, I'm of the firm belief that you have to make advantage. Like, it'd be a different story if he was making the most of his opportunities and those opportunities didn't increase, right? That would be a completely different story, but that's not the case. I don't have a firm belief you have to make the most of your opportunities. And I don't think that Trey Lance overwhelmed at any point in this offseason to the point where you could fully solidify that he's the quarterback too. Now, has he looked better than Sam Donald? In my personal opinion, when I watched both in the 10 or 11 days of training camp I was there, as well as the two preseason games, I personally believe Trey Lance has looked better. And I see some comments about other people saying a similar sentiment or something like that. I agree. That's been my personal belief. But the point is, it's not been to a degree where you can firmly say that. And that's why you see discourse around uh, around the internet where people are disagreeing with what, you're, uh, what you believe. And pe- some people are saying Sam Darnold. And then national media pundits are hearing that Sam Darnold is their guy instead of Trey Lance. Because it hasn't been that big of a separator, right, and things like that. And so that is that is a very fair point that you have to understand. It's You're right. I mean, as a backup at any position in the NFL – you're not guaranteed reps. You, you're not, you know, it's not that you're you're going to get a set certain amount of reps every day. It's not something like that. You have to make the most of those reps in order to get more. And I wouldn't say that Trey Lance overwhelmed this offseason. And it's nothing against the kid. I mean, like, like we've said, he has minimal experience. He continues to learn with every rep. Unfortunately, you're not going to get that opportunity in terms of, you know, you're not going to get – the significant amount of reps that he could need to really uh, further uh, his development through because of the situation that he's in and because he didn't make the most of them. I agree, man. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because you love Trey Lance. I love, I love the kid. I really, really think that, you know, he's a great person and uh, he has a lot of upside, you know, and the circumstances were just brutal, right? I I really wish he didn't get injured last season so we could really see what he would be capable of, good or bad, right? Because our analysis of him could be completely wrong, and maybe he's not the guy we, we think he could be with the right amount of uh, reps and playing time. But circumstances are, he's just the, <laughs> the only way he's going to get the opportunity is if something terrible happens to Brock Purdy, and 
nobody wants that to happen either. You know what I mean? So right. it, it's just a tough situation. Mike Monaghan here says, Trey looked more inconsistent in the preseason games than Sam Darnold. I mean, I, I wouldn't tend to disagree. I think he's looked slow and then really progressed as the game's gone along. In the first game, you saw a similar thing, although it was marred by a couple of poor decisions, right? He had two near uh, – an interception, a near interception. You know, he had some uh, some pretty poor plays mixed in, but it was a much better second half than first half. Same in this game, right? His first drive resulted in an interception. Next three drives were scoring drives. I think he has definitely been more inconsistent, and unfortunately that was the case in camp. Lance had the highest of highs of quarterbacks and the lowest of lows of quarterbacks as well. Darnold was mediocre throughout. He was average. And I, I, I don't want to say mediocre. I want to say more average because I thought there were some days where, you know, he's looking solid. It's more so a shorter array of passes, but he's looking solid. And I thought consistent was what Darnold, you know, that's the moniker you gave Darnold for the majority of training camp. You know, he had one really, really poor day, but overall he was consistent, consistently average. And I think the 49ers, you know, they might prefer consistency and knowing what they get. And that's what Sam Donald and his 55 starts and, you know, his average overall play has, will, will provide you. And the 49ers are used to having a court, like a lot of people bring up the ball security and the interceptions and things like that. 49ers are used to being able to win in spite of their quarterback. Right. Right. We we've seen that with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, he was somebody who turned the ball over, uh, quite a bit as well. So I don't think Kyle Shanahan is as worried about the interceptions as much as, you know, the, the that can the positives happen as well. And, you know, I, even even with that statement, I still think that Trey Lance should be QB too, just because I, I think that he'd be fine, man. I think that he could, that this team could win with Trey Lance as well. But, you know, you always, you, you mentioned, it, you got to take it You got to, take advantage of the opportunities are there. I think that Trey Lance had an opportunity to make this not even a discussion. If he really showed out at the beginning of training camp, when Sam Darnold was still trying to learn the playbook and all this kind of stuff. And unfortunately, like you said, he, he, he was still kind of up and down. He had the really high highs, but the really low lows. Um, so ultimately there's still a conversation, which is, which is not ideal, but it is right. the reality. I will say this, though. I honestly do believe that Trey Lance will get an opportunity to start somewhere. Given the fact where we've seen guys like Baker Mayfield go out and get you know starting jobs, we've seen Carson Wentz go out and get multiple starting jobs, I think that Trey Lance does get an opportunity once this contract expires. Um, the only question is, how quickly can he get out of the 49ers organization? And I'm saying this as a, as, as a proponent of the 49ers keeping him. I think that that's the best move for their organization. And I also think that's the most realistic because I don't think he has trade value right now to what the 49ers are expecting to recoup. But I think the quicker Trey Lance gets out of San Francisco, the quicker his NFL career kicks off because I think other teams would be willing to get give him a shot if he was on the open market and if he was to be had for a reasonable price. The reason you're not going to see a Trey Lance trade right now is because teams already have figured out their quarterback situation. The reason you didn't see a Trey Lance trade this entire offseason, well, one, back in March when the free agency period hit, and that's truly when quarterbacks are you know, on the market. You saw multiple quarterback changes. If Trey Lance was available on the market back in March, well, guess what? There's a likelihood he would have been dealt. 
but you had uncertainty about Brock Purdy. He was the only healthy quarterback on the roster or soon to be healthy quarterback on the roster coming off his own ankle injury. And then by the time the draft came up, there aren't many teams that need a quarterback to start, right? Most of those teams have signed their option already or are going to draft that option. And if you're in the limbo where you might draft a guy in the second round or, you know, some guy to compete, well, guess what? You're you're probably more content with what you have rather than adding in another unknown commodity into your into your organization. I think that if Lance had the opportunity to be dealt in March, he would have been gone. But now they're not going to trade for him to be their backup. And I also think, think the 49ers are going to recruit the value that they want because he's been inconsistent. And also, like, it's one of two things. If he's the QB3, there's not value for him because he hasn't proven enough. If he's QB2, San Francisco wants him. They want him on their roster. And at the moment, it's too hard to tell whether he's QB2 or 3 because it's been that up and down for both quarterbacks to where I don't think the 49ers are comfortable dealing, you know, one of them. Or more more, more likely, they're not going to get any offers. I think, though, Lance should be out the door next year for his own sake. I think he should request a trade again. And I think that, um, you know, I think that that should be uh, a reality. Trey Lance should go out and request a trade because that's the lone the quicker he gets out of san francisco in my opinion is the quicker that his nfl career can kick off because i think like we've seen him grow in just two preseason games with more and more reps as he said it himself he'll continue to get better and there are going to be other teams that can afford to you know take a 17 game season and see what they have in trey lance understand that you know they might not have the quarterback situation figured out see what they have in trey lance at a cheap cost and if it doesn't work out you draft a high pick uh, you draft a quarterback the next year with a high pick. No, absolutely. Um, and it's sad. It's sad because you wanted to be here with the 49ers, but you know, there is still the whole season here. I think it would be not, uh, not, I don't think it would be smart for the 49ers to deal him. I think you stick with him this year because reality is we know that the 49ers use multiple quarterbacks throughout the season. So, you know, I think that Trey Lance gives us the best chance to win outside of Purdy um, and possibly even more than Purdy if he gets the opportunity to play, you know, multiple games in a row. So time will tell, man. Time will tell. The 49ers have had two quarterbacks play in every season since 2014. So if quarterback two is Trey Lance, there is a very likelihood, a very good likelihood that he ends up playing, you know, in 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 uh, at some point in 2023. Now, I like this comment here from Greg Iscon. He says Matt Barrows believes Lance will be traded in 2024 prior to the league year. Yeah, this is my exact prediction. I think he gets traded before the league year starts. Why? Because there's quarterback uncertainty heading into the free agency period. And I think there's going to be at least one suitor who is ready to, you know, test out a quarterback option for 2024, understanding that you could go ahead and get a strong quarterback in 2025 in the draft if that doesn't work out with a high pick. I think that this is going to be, you know, a case that I think could very well be a reality for a lot of teams because there are a lot of teams, you know, who either have middling quarterback starters that they could move off of. Minnesota Vikings could be one, you know, where Kirk Cousins hits free agency next year. That could very well be an option for them as they do a reset year and then move forward in 2025. But there are a lot of teams like that. This is my exact prediction. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it would either be Trey Lance being traded 2024 or Brock Purdy being traded at the beginning of 2024, right? I don't think in 2024, both of those quarterbacks are on the team. And why I mentioned Brock Purdy possibly getting traded, because if Brock Purdy goes down at, at some point this year, Trey Lance steps in and plays really, really well. 
maybe the 49ers end up sticking with Trey Lance and then moving on from Brock Purdy, who might have, which might be the better situation out of the two because Brock Purdy has at least looked better in games than Trey Lance has. So you might be able to get more value out of a Brock Purdy trade if they could see enough in Trey Lance that they believe that he's the guy. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, somebody asking what would Trey Lance's 2024 cap cost to a taker? My belief is that it's $5.3 million. Uh, the 49ers would incur a $10.8 million dead cap hit. Or sorry, that's if cut. Uh, trade is a little different, but I believe it would be $5.3 million. The 49ers would then save around $5.5, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. Or, or no, no, they'd save 5.3 and lose 5.5. That's how it would be. So you save about 50% of the money because his signing bonus, um, you know, that's the money you lose uh, in terms of cap hit wise, and then everything else is what you save. The one other uh, positive real quick about moving Trey Lance before the roster year, his roster bonus kicks in. Um, I believe it's a training camp roster bonus. So, uh, or it's either a training camp or a year roster bonus. So if you move him before the league year, that might be another benefit. But uh, last topic of the day, been some negative discourse around our, uh, our head coach, Kyle Shanahan. What do you take about it before we wrap things up here today? Yeah, and I mean, look, there's definitely fair criticism for Kyle Shanahan. I think that he isn't elite. He isn't his is not elite when it comes to quarterback evaluation. Um, I think that he has dragged his feet with solving this quarterback position, um, you know. And then they ended up taking a swing, trading a lot of assets for a guy like Trey Lance. And unfortunately, he still hasn't panned out to be, you know, worthy of the three first round picks that they invested in in getting him. So I can see that being the fair criticism. I also think, you know, you could criticize him based off of his game management at times, maybe some of his decision making. But some of the attacks on Kyle Shanahan is like, I know Ryan, who's, you know, a guy that I love, talked about his uh e emotional intelligence and a lot of people are talking about just like you know he he doesn't bring the best out of players or um you know this team could be better off with with another coach rohan how many teams do you think at this point wouldn't trade their coach for or how many teams do you feel like would not trade their coach for kyle shanahan right now if it's straight up yeah Probably like, probably at least. So it's at least twenty. I would say that. I would, would say, not. Would not. Oh, uh, would not. Minimum. Uh, maximum of ten. Maximum of ten. And 10. that too, you'd be stretching it. I, I could think Andy Reid. You definitely wouldn't. Wouldn't trade. I think there I, are some teams with the connection. Like I don't think Tomlin, my uh, John Harbaugh. I, I I wouldn't say um, Sean McDermott. I think they like in Buffalo. I wouldn't say. You know some of the some of the legacy coaches that you know have a, a connection there. I don't think that they'd move, but yeah, it's probably you know less than ten or less. I would say. I would say it's closer to five than ten. But you know, we're 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 obviously um, just we don't know for a fact. But I would say that it would be closer to five than the ten number. So 
and I know the it's a dumb argument, but well, who would you trade him with? Because who knows who they who they'd be able to get. But I look at Kyle Shanahan and my defense of him has always been who who he inherited was that what he inherited was a mess. This team was more in the news for off the field issues than anything they were doing on the field. The roster itself was void of a lot of talent. And within three years, he inherited a team and, and got them into the Super Bowl at least, right? And every single year, Kyle Shanahan has had a competent quarterback. This team has been one of the best, not only in the NFC, but in the league. Now, if we're, ju- and I understand, you know, obviously making it to NFC championships and just being in the Super Bowl isn't enough for this fan base. But I also look at like what has been created. Do I think that the system that's here in the 49ers is 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 competent enough to win a Super Bowl and not just a Super Bowl, but multiple Super Bowls? And my answer would be yes, Rohan. I think that this team drafts really, really well, especially in later rounds where they've been able to find so many talented pieces that have turned into quality rotation pieces or even starters even all pros i look at the aura and the um camaraderie of the team the energy of the team people love to play for kyle shanahan people love to play here um, for the 49ers and we've become a free agent destination rohan which is really really hard to do in san francisco in the state of california because of the taxes and all that kind of stuff yet that hasn't been a determinant for people to come here and sign with the 49ers. I attribute that to what Shanahan has been able to create. No, I think that that's fair. And I mean, when you talk about it, a lot of people like hot shots, right? They like hot names. Coordinators, some, there are some coordinators that are hot names. Shane Steichen to be one of them, right? Who uh, was hired by the Indianapolis Colts this past year. Well, the issue with coordinators, right? And the uncertainty around them is you can be a great play caller. You can be a great game designer. You can have all that. But it's, that's only one portion of it, right? You need to understand that culture is a huge portion. The ability to scout talent, the ability to have a vision for that team is a huge portion of it. And those are things that Kyle Shanahan has worked well within, uh, you know, worked well with what he's gotten and now built a strong group uh, or a strong group around him where the core is tight, you know, where you, you'll obviously have your problems and things like that, but he's built a good culture around San Francisco that has shied away from what uh, previous culture was like before his arrival. So I think that that's another important factor. And of course, the Super Bowl uh, argument is always going to haunt him, having been to two, not having won you know, a single one yet, having made the NFC Championship, having missed on the quarterback issues, which is my biggest gripe with him. There are definitely some issues with Kyle Shanahan, but I think the majority of what you get is irreplaceable by other coaches in the NFL, at least other accessible ones. Yeah, and Rohan, this is one thing that I think is just wild to me. You know, Kyle Shanahan has now had, in my eyes, developed three quarterbacks that are now head coaches in the in the NFL. And people are like, he didn't develop Salah, or he didn't develop D'Amico Ryans, and maybe he developed, um, you know, Mike, uh, but... It's like, where have we ever seen coaches that leave a coaching staff to be a head coach where that isn't attributed to that actual head coach of the staff that they came off of? It's like this revision is like Andy Reid's tree 
as long as you've been on, uh, on Andy Reid's staff, he gets credit if you become a head coach directly off the staff. Um, you know, uh, I mean, there are a lot of trees, right? I mean, you talk about the Mike Shanahan tree. You can talk about the Belichick tree, the Parcells tree. Yeah. The, even the Bill Walsh tree. I mean, there are a lot of trees, you know, overall uh, it, that when you when you look at it, who, who's the originator of that tree? I understand your point. Yeah, but it's like never has it. It's always been, you know, if they came under your staff, they they had all they, they had they had their uh, highest position under your staff. They've been on your staff for multiple years and then got the head coaching job off of that. Clearly, you've done enough to get this person into a because how many coaches don't? become head coaches, right? How many um, from coaches? So you look at a guy like Eric B uh, Bien-Ami, he, he's been on Andy Reid's staff, won multiple Super Bowls with Andy Reid. He can't even get a head coaching job, right? So to me, I, I just think that right now, because for whatever reason, because the 49ers still haven't won a Super Bowl, right? It's like off with the head of Kyle Shanahan. He's the problem, all this kind of stuff. And maybe right. it's because of content creators just want to have something to make content about and stuff but some of the reasons why they're they're going against Kyle Shanahan to me is just kind of wild um I, I I think you agree with me man he's he does I don't think we should necessarily extend him but he should play out the rest of his contract and you know in my estimation I think he's gonna win one before it's all said and done in this contract and if he doesn't then okay at that point you've given him you know eight years eight nine years on this team then you move on. But saying call for his head right now, I think is wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree as well. We'll, we'll see because Shanahan's window right for a Super Bowl is arguably coming closer and closer to an end as the years go along. I'm not saying it's an end after this year, but tough decisions will have to be made at the end of this year and things like that to where you truly have to capitalize on the window that, you know, the capitalize on the window presented in front of you. And so Kyle Shanahan's going to have to deal with that. But I do think that it's it's important to temper some of the uh, you know some of the negativity towards him ahead of the season, understanding where he's brought this team, but more importantly, the success that this team will likely continue to have as we go along. I'm with you. But Sunil, that's all I have for today. I appreciate you for co-hosting here with me today, uh, enjoying a fun show. Chat as always. Thank you guys so much. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to the channel, continue getting this content, as well as hitting the like bell on this video, hitting the likes, the notification bell. For Ronnie Bell, please hit the notification bell. You know <laughs> but Sunil's channel is in the description. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe there to him. We'll be back tomorrow with some more content. But Sunil, appreciate you. I'll see you guys next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.